0: adventures radio i'm sean Rowley, and with me is derek Specht. hello derek what's up not much man not much
1: it's just i've noticed i've been noticing a lot lately i think people are yeah typical cabin fever although yeah, cabin fever seems to be more heightened when there's a lot of snow mm-hmm. but there are people all around us because we're so close to like we don't get snow really yeah, not, not, not anymore not in the current climate but i've noticed that a lot of people are posting about the toronto outdoor show yeah. Which is coming up. and But it's not coming up that quick. When, when's the date well, of it? it's three weeks uh, away. Just over three weeks away. Three and a yeah, half weeks? Yeah, three and a half weeks away. Yeah. So, but a lot of people are uh, are posting about it. And it's like, well, a lot of people are really excited about, <laughs> about outdoor camping stuff and whatever, right?
0: Summer. Yeah, yeah. Spring and <laughs> summer. This winter has
1: been confusing if you live, you know, near, the, near Lake Ontario or near any of the lakes, really. It's... Uh,
0: the climate is, we're very, uh, we're, our it weather sucks. Is, Just say that. Yeah, it it sucks. sucks. The weather sucks. The climate sucks. <laughs> gone are the days of, of losing your boot when you jump into the snow. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then pull your foot back <laughs> yeah. out and your boot's gone. Well, I remember, oh, remember the good old days of Snow snowmageddon <laughs> and the ice storm? Those were the good old days. Yeah. We had to walk yeah. uphill in the snow both ways <laughs> to get nowhere. Yeah, I don't even have to wear a toque into work. I just wear a, I'm basically wearing a, like a three-season jacket to and from work all the time. There's days where I look outside and the temperature and what the temperature is going to be, and I'm doing everything in my power not to wear shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's remember, about freezing.
1: I can remember like 10, 12, 15 years ago, we used to get so much snow that like you know, partway through February, I'd have to get out in snowshoes and tromp down my front lawn because I was having trouble throwing the snow that high. Right. So I had to crush down my front lawn of pile of snow. I brought
0: my snowshoes to work one day and let some guy from South America try them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd never never used them before. So yeah, yeah. Gone are the good old days. <laughs> Remember when we used to be able to use our snow blowers we bought? I know. Right? I know. I wonder if maybe we used up our allotment of snow. (laughs) You only get so much over the decade. Over the hundred years, you only get so much snow, and you used it up by 1989. (laughs) And then it just dwindled down to the 2000s. Yeah. And now we're... it's, it's, It's like when you eat toast, there's those crumbs on the counter that you're just brushing off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what we get now. (laughs) exactly yeah yeah, this isn't weather this is toast crumbs you
1: sweep it off in your hand i just sweep Mm. it off onto the floor really (laughs) no (laughs) makes it easier for the dog to eat when i hide it my hand oh
0: what are you a bachelor (laughs) oh hey we went to do you know the um uh the log driver's
1: waltz? Yes, Siobhan right? played that the other morning. It's like, oh, that came up on your
0: phone, did it? She goes, yeah, it just showed up. So, yeah, if you want to see the Log Driver's Waltz, you can go to the uh, National Film Board of Canada and just type mm. that in. It's yep. it's a cartoon thing of this guy It's on YouTube down. as well. Is it on YouTube too? Yeah, yeah, I guess it would be, wouldn't it? We were at the Royal Ontario Museum and the Art Gallery of Ontario this weekend. And... Uh we hit the Group of Seven section and there was a bunch of art. Tom Thompson stuff. Yeah, there was art there. <laughs> yeah. I I couldn't believe it. it. Boggles my mind. Never seen so much art in one spot as in the art gallery of Ontario. And there's a whole bunch of stuff like Uh, Log running and uh, like the logs and stuff like that, and the rivers and stuff. And I'm sitting there and I just realized that I'm sitting there whistling the (laughs) log driver's waltz (laughs) while looking at all (laughs) all of these. Wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, not disturbing anybody, but they're probably all going, I know that tune. So, yeah, we, we, uh, went there and checked that out. If you get the chance to see the wildlife photographer of the year exhibit, Go see it. There's some pretty neat, neat, neat uh, photos there.
1: I saw that award come out with the person. Oh, who was it that won this year in Canada, Calgary or something? Well, it's all it's all over the world. right? I know, but there's a Canadian that won a top prize.
0: Well, there's different divisions. Yes, different people. The grand grand prize was. Can't remember the name, but they were doing pictures of horseshoe crabs. Okay. And the one they had was a gold one. It looked like it was metal. Oh, and yeah? It even had a dent in it.
1: Hm.
0: Yeah, some pretty cool stuff. So and yeah, you go there and you you look at stuff and you go, No, that's that's not the winner. Yeah. And then you look at other ones going, How is that like how a, is this? How is it a third honorable mention? That should have won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it all depends on on who's who's yeah. I mean, being a photographer, I go in there and I look at stuff and I don't know if my daughter was kind of <laughs> wary taking me to that one or not. But <laughs> He's gonna be too critical. Yeah. We didn't get thrown out of the museum even doing some <laughs> couple little shenanigan-y thingies there. Um, but uh no it was a good time. And then my week went downhill from there. <laughs> yes, yes. I heard some stories. Yeah, they woke up this morning or the day we're recording this and uh heard this noise in my kitchen. Apparently my sink was leaking. <laughs> had to fix that first thing in the morning, six o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, trying to get out to work. Yeah. And I got to fix the sink because it's <laughs> water everywhere. Anyway, and then at work, I'm health and safety. So we had to run a fire drill. So we ran a fire drill. We have two buildings. I called the monitoring company to say, put the buildings on test until.
1: We're gonna set off the We're alarms. Set up the fire alarms, alarms, Test mode.
0: Let everybody run outside and freeze, and then we'll bring all back in. Says Sergio, right? Work better.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she says, "Not a problem. You have till four fifteen in the afternoon." Awesome. Four <laughs> fifteen in the afternoon. The fire truck shows up because <laughs> they only put one of our two buildings yeah. on. <laughs> but you gotta be kidding me. So yeah, fun all around this week. Yeah, woohoo. And art museums and, and galleries and, the, uh, and fire trucks. And fire trucks. Or did you get to? Did you get to sit in a fire no. truck? No. What? No. I think they're afraid i was going to steal it. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. You can leave the keys there, buddy. Come on, Mister <laughs> Fireman guy. Leave the keys there. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I, what is it? Is it Hamilton,
1: Mississauga? Somebody in the GTA or near the GTA? They got the. Uh, they got themselves an electric fire truck.
0: Really? Yeah. We'll be there in a couple hours. Or just boost. <laughs> We're just boosting it up. charging the battery. We're charging it at the local But mall. they
1: never go very far, right? So it's easy enough. It's not like you need a, like, I don't imagine they go through too much gas unless you have a lot of fires.
0: But do you, does uh, <clears> the <throat> pumping equipment and all that not run? I guess that would run separately, right?
1: I imagine, uh, because it's an emergency vehicle, they would probably have a backup generator yeah. to run the pumps. But the, uh, the chassis itself, the, the rolling... Gear would uh, I just the thing have a,
0: that makes the wheels go. Yes, yeah,
1: so that probably have a big battery pack. Yeah, but if you think huh. about it, it should like if you can go hundreds of kilometers on a normal charge on a vehicle, you know, you only because a fire truck is going to have their jurisdiction, they're only going to go like maximum
0: fifty k. Yeah, they're heavy too. They are very heavy. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I've never really. Everybody loves fire trucks. Oh yeah. But have you ever looked at how they work? Well, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like how all the internal stuff works on... Well, they get Like pumps. all the pumps and all the hoses yeah. and the hooks-ups and what goes where is their piping inside. Yeah. All that sort of stuff.
1: I've seen that.
0: Have oh, you? Yeah? Well, yeah. you're around fire trucks. Yeah. Because you start fires. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't start fires. I don't start fires.
1: But we get our own fire team at work. Yeah. We have our own fire trucks at work. And what do you steal? <laughs> no,
0: I, they wouldn't even let me drive them. Ah, smart people. We license work. I, I still say you should go up to them and say, listen, it's lunch hour. There's <laughs> nobody I, around. Can I take it for a burn? Point it down, <laughs> point it down the, the long parkway here, the driveway. <laughs> and I'm just going to take it from here. Yeah. And you can sit right next to me if you want. <laughs> and just let me drive it to the other end. And then you can switch seats, you can turn it around and drive back. I just want to drive it 50 feet. I'm going to go for a burger. I'm going to go into town.
1: Right? What do you mean this doesn't fit in drive through (laughs) Oh, yeah. It would not. (laughs) I just took uh, the ordering billboard. (laughs) Oh,
0: good time. No, it's been a busy week, that's for Mm -hmm. sure. uh. (laughs) <laughs> but your water's fixed. Your your house is not leaking anymore. My house isn't leaking. My, all my water works again. Yeah. The firemen have forgiven us. <laughs> the alarm company needs to be fired. Needs to be fired. They just may well be. We have a meeting with them in a couple of weeks. <laughs> anyway, all's good. Okay. And I can't wait till summer. <laughs> so, I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say why. Oh. But there's an event that might happen. I don't know if an event is the word. Something might happen that will mean we have to drive to La Pa, sorry, the Pa. I've always knew growing up was La Pa, Manitoba, really? which is the Saskatchewan River is right there. The Red River? No, the Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, or the Red River is farther south than Brandon in and, and Winnipeg. Yeah. This is northwest of Lake Winnipeg. So you're going to tell me that, but you're not going to tell me why. Not going to tell you why. Okay. But it may involve at some point canoe trips up on the Saskatchewan River. Oh, yeah? Hmm. In northern Manitoba and Saskatchewan, where all the lakes and everything Similar started. to the brigade? S- similar. Is that the brigade? No. No, this is totally personal. <laughs> totally personal. But, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So why bring it up if you're not going to tell me what it Just is? Just to torture you. Because <laughs> if I've been having a crappy week, <laughs> I'm dragging you down with me.
0: And because this, we're still drinking this beer. The fake beer. The fake beer. Yeah. Last week? Yes, yes. Next week we can have a normal beer. Oh, yeah. I had normal beer before I came here.
1: <laughs> I hide it from you. <laughs> yeah. I got Siobhan to try the uh, the the fake whiskey and the fake uh, Captain rum? Morgan's yeah. spiced rum. And? Yeah, I, I think it's going to expire before. Before it's, anybody finishes it? The only reason I say I think I could use it is uh, is uh, take it to a party
0: and pretend to hammer it back in front of people and see if anybody gets, what's going on? I'd say you got to use it as a mix. That's the only way you're getting rid of it. <laughs> Or forgetting it conveniently accidentally in somebody's house. I think,
1: I think it's useful as a prank at this point. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, that's, they're just going to dump it down the drain.
1: Like the, uh, the the Captain's Morgan stuff doesn't taste too bad, but uh, but the whiskey stuff, She's fake bad. whiskey is not good. What's your good. kid to walk
0: into school with? <laughs> I can I put it in my lunch bag and take it to work. Right? Because <laughs> technically, you're not drinking alcohol exactly. at work. Exactly. <laughs> Leaning out at the donut shop, talking to the cops. Hey, officer, how you doing today? guys <laughs> got some mighty fine donuts there. <laughs> yeah, this is whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go well. Anyway, canoeing. <laughs> yes. Let's talk, let's talk canoeing. I actually came across this one because Stephen Coots is our, our polling guru. Yes. Canoe polling guru. Makoro Canoes, a traditional canoe or dugout boat used in the African region of the Okavango Delta, particularly in Botswana. The term makoro specifically refers to the boats used by the local people uh, known as Baye and Baye people. These canoes are an essential mode of transportation in the waterways of the Okavango Delta. Came across this, and I'm thinking, this is just canoe poling in shallow waters mm-hmm. in a delta, and you get to see stuff. And you're in a dugout canoe, right? Traditionally, makoros were carved out of trunks of large trees, usually the sausage tree, which I didn't know there was such thing called a sausage I, tree. <laughs> I've heard of the ebony or trees. the ebony tree. Yes, modern makoros are often made from more readily available materials such as fiberglass. They're typically what tree long. Does that grow from the fiberglass tree? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fiber grass. (laughs) Uh, They're typically long and narrow with a shallow draft, allowing them to navigate through the shallow waters, reeds, and lily pads of the delta. Like, one of these would go good for fishing. Yeah. Where bass fishermen can't get to Mm -hmm. in their big boats. Macaros are traditionally propelled by standing at the rear of the boat and using a pole to push against the riverbed. This method is used to navigate through the winding channels of the delta, avoiding submerged optical obstacles and plants. The boatmen, known as polars, have exceptional skill in handling the macoro and can maneuver through the water with ease. Corals are widely used for various purposes, including transportation, fishing, and wildlife viewing. I watched a couple little videos of this, and realistically it reminds me of... Uh the thingies in venice yes the those that's people called mm, gondoliers. Uh, gondoliers gondoliers that's go. it yeah. i knew once i asked the question i would know the answer because <laughs> it's all up there it's just yeah. dragging it forward yeah. right uh, they provide a peaceful and non-intrusive way to experience the okavango delta safari or sorry they provide a peaceful and non-intrusive way to experience a okavango delta safari allowing visitors to get up close to the diverse ecosystems and observe the wildlife in their natural habitats. Uh, It's worth noting that the use of makoros is a sustainable and eco-friendly way to experience the delta, as the boats have minimal impact on the environment and contribute to their preservation of this unique ecosystem. This is more for the people that aren't looking out to see the big trophy animals, like the giraffes and lions and elephants and stuff like that, right? History of the Makoro dates back many centuries and is closely intertwined with the indigenous people and the waterways uh, in Botswana. The uh, Baye people who are believed to have migrated to the Okavango region from Central Africa around 2,000 years ago. These communities have relied on the Delta's resources for their livelihoods, and the Makoro became an integral part of their daily lives. Uh, Originally, they were handcrafted from large trunks, as we say. Uh, The indigenous people would select suitable trees, such as the sausage and ebony trees, and skillfully hollow out trunks to create the canoe-like boats. Traditional construction method required great expertise in carving and shaping wood. And this goes back to people doing this all around the world that had no clue other people were doing the exact same thing. Makoro's design has evolved over time. Initially, they were relatively short and wide, providing stability for navigating the narrow channels and avoiding capsizing. However, with the introduction of fiberglass in more recent times, modern Makoro's have become longer and narrower, allowing for better maneuverability. How is longer more maneuverable? I don't know. I guess because you stand at the back and the front end goes up and you just... (laughs) Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's my theory. Uh, the traditional, well, fiberglass would also be a lot lighter than some of the big True. wood trees, True. right? Traditional use of macoros was primarily for transportation, and uh, there's quite the extensive uh, water- network of waterways in the Delta. And over the years, macoros have also been utilized for the fishing, providing a quiet, unobtrusive method to f- approach fish in the shallow waters. Additionally, they have become popular among tourists as a unique and eco-friendly means of exploring the delta and observing its abundant wildlife. Makoro holds cultural significance for the indigenous communities. It represents a connection to their ancestral heritage, reflecting their deep understanding of the waterways and their harmonious relationship with nature. In recent years, the sustainable use of Makoros have Gained recognition promoting responsible tourism practices that support local communities and contribute to the preservation of the Okavango Delta's fragile ecosystem. Cool. Because you don't want people zipping through there in boats and yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. You're just gonna rip stuff out and yeah. destroy the uh destroy wildlife there, right? and mm-hmm.
1: you ever hear the term taurons? Taurons? Taurons. No. It's a combination of tourists and morons. I follow a bunch of these things on uh for national parks in the states and stuff and they call a bunch of these people torrons because they try to get selfies with like a with a bla- with a black bear or an elk and they they get up really close to these wild animals and so talking about these guys going through the oh. the reeds and the whatever getting looking at the wildlife and everything, the yeah. th- there's too many people that think oh it's uh this
0: it's Yogi Bear. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's not a zoo. That that going to eat you. Like, don't be a. I call them Darwin Award winner wannabes. Yes. S- yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways, yeah. they should so. be allowed just to say, okay, no, 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 don't, don't stop them. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, they'll yes. figure it out. Yeah, don't say going, anything. Yeah. We'll, we'll,
1: uh, we'll yeah. alert the authorities once slap you slap
0: it on. In. Yes. <laughs> 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 Look at him run. I never knew Phil could run like that. <laughs> run the other way, Phil. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Too many people like, I don't uh, know. Why would you want to try and get a selfie with
0: a bear? I don't know. But <laughs> unless he's not. Unless he's on the other side of a cage or exactly. something. Exactly. on the other side of glass yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He can stay over yeah. He can stay on his side of the forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a whole thing, uh, Makoro saf- uh, safaris, they're happening. A big touristy thing where you, you go to one of these companies and they'll take you out like a couple of single or a couple of people in one of these Macoros and yeah. they'll zip you through and, you know, guide will tell you, okay, well, here's what this is and here's what these, these plants are. And if you look at those birds over there and see the turtles and all that sort of stuff, Right. It's becoming a, a big thing over there. So they give six reasons why you should try a Makoro Safari. So if there's anybody heading over to Botswana area mm-hmm. and they're looking for something yeah. different than like everybody. in
1: your typical Jeep or you're in a Land Rover right? and you're going through and looking for giraffes That's and the elephants.
0: first thing I think of when somebody tells me they're heading to Africa. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going oh, to yeah, a big, uh, big old safari, right? Yeah. Well, try this one instead or as part of. Uh, going on a Makoro safari offers a range of special and unique experiences that set it apart from other safari activities. Here are some some aspects that make the Makoro safari special: one, intimate and peaceful. Uh, you're not, you know, you're not looking to be eaten. Well, <laughs> with something. well, there's there's piranhas and alligators and crocodiles
1: and. <laughs> <laughs> There's water hazards. You're not looking to
0: get stomped by an elephant. Sure, sure, Attacked sure. by leopards and... and Have you seen the tr- the jeeps where the leopards jump on top and just lay down? I know. Right? You, you can tell they see too many people. Yeah. Uh, Makoros are propelled silently through the water, allowing you to experience the Delta's serene and tranquil environment. The absence of noisy engines creates a peaceful atmosphere, enabling you to immerse yourself in the sights and sounds of nature without disturbances. Yeah, a that's true, because you're going to hear all alligators. the bugs and everything, right? Yeah. You're going to hear that alligator sneaking up <laughs> on you. So that's why they don't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, close encounters with wildlife. The shallow draft of the Makoro enables you to navigate through narrow channels, get a close-up of wildlife. You can quietly approach animals such as elephants, hippos, and birds without causing disturbance or intruding upon their natural behavior. It offers a unique uh, opportunity to observe wildlife from a different perspective and capture remarkable photographs. So you're not seeing them all from the ground. The hippos yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be wary of because they're fast. Uh, yes. They kill yeah. a
1: ton of people a year. I know, right? And I've never seen anything in person. And and so I, I think it would be very interesting to see something like that. But it makes me wonder, do if you're on a safari or you're in, and you're viewing this wildlife, I'm used to soundtracks. Like when, when there's no scary, evil music playing, is it really dangerous? Is that why people right? get selfies with bears? Because they don't hear that? Is that why scary the Australian soundtrack? people
0: like going out in the water? Because they're not hearing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like every piranha movie you've ever seen, it's like you hear that scary music and yeah. the squealing and the and the fish squealing through the water. Yeah,
0: like, apparently, they don't really squeal like that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think Hollywood's <laughs> been lying to us. Just just my opinion. Hollywood is not always truthful, I'm thinking. I'm disappointed. I'm going to die silently. <laughs> There's no soundtrack. The only soundtrack is you screaming. <laughs> uh, minimal environmental impact. And this is the big thing. I mean, the, the ecotourism and all that's yeah. you know been building and building and building. Uh, Makaros are traditionally made from natural materials or modern fiberglass, both of which have minimal impact on the environment. By choosing a Makoro safari, you contribute to the conservation efforts of the Okavanga Delta, as these traditional canoes have low carbon footprint and help maintain the delicate balance of the ecosystem. Expert local guides. Makoro safaris are typically led by experienced local guides who possess an in-depth understanding of the delta's flora, fauna, and waterway. And that's the thing. You want to look at at You're going over there and seeing stuff you've never seen before. And you're going to have quite... Look at that flower. Look at that. What is that one? You want somebody that's going to point out all this? Oh, stuff absolutely. To you, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: That's like me on a normal canoe trip. It's like I see stuff, but I don't know what it is. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me touch that. <laughs> I saw fifty different t- types of mushrooms. I don't know what any of them are.
0: <laughs> I know they're all edible at least once. At least once. Uh, they share their knowledge about the region, identifying various bird species, animal tracks providing insights into the ecosystem. Their expertise enhances the safari experience, making it educational and informative. Uh, unique perspective on the Delta. That would be interesting. Yeah, exploring the, the Delta in a mokoro offers a distinctive vantage point. Being closer to the water surface provides a different viewpoint of the surrounding landscapes, allowing you to appreciate the intricate details of the delta waterways, vegetation, and the interplay between land and water. Cause you're basically, it's, it's like an open, I mean, you're basically sitting on the bottom of a canoe. Yeah. Right? So you're at water
1: level. Yeah. You're, so, in, so you're, you're seeing like, all the stuff in right in your there. Environment.
0: If you're coming across an elephant, you're looking up at him, not, you know, straight at him. You're (laughs) you're looking at his toes, not, you know, his chest (laughs) sort of thing. Uh, Yeah, you're seeing all this extra stuff that you're not necessarily going to see if you're on a regular safari, right? Sustainable and responsible tourism. Makoro safaris align with... Sustainable and responsible tourism practices. They promote eco-friendly travel, support local communities, and contribute to the conservation of the Okavanga Delta. By choosing a Makoro Safari, you actively participate in a tourism model that prioritizes the preservation of the environment and the well-being of local communities. A Makoro Safari... Combination of peaceful exploration, up close wildlife encounters, a minimal environmental impact, knowledgeable guides, and a unique perspective makes going on a Makoro Safari a truly special and memorable experience in the Okavango Delta. Interesting. hmm Some people would say we well, shouldn't be
1: in these environments, yada yada yada, but w- we are our environment. I don't know. I, I
0: can I don't I don't kinda Take along a lot. You got to the... be with the environment, yeah. not against it. Yeah. I would rather see people taking these Makoros out and giving people guided trips yep. and informing them mm-hmm. than these same people having to make a living and poaching an elephant, poaching elephants, and right, poaching, like yeah, they yeah. they have to survive over there. Yep. They're limited, and mm-hmm. I'd rather be doing this than hearing, yeah, we lost more rhinos today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now there is another thing the the uh, mokoro uh, polars are traditionally men and there's actually a couple women now there was yes. an article about this one yes. woman who's doing this now and women are starting to step into the role yeah. as well which is pretty cool it is it is so you're seeing the modernization of yeah. multiple societies right well you have to cuz you know not not I mean, if if it's tourism that's growing, eco-tourism and more people are going to go over there and, you know, then not everybody wants to do the big safari. Mm -hmm. Some people want to do something different and this is an option. Yeah. And it's dragging, you know, or luring, I guess, uh, tourists across, then everybody should jump into it and give a hand and build that business. Exactly. Right. So, so if you're, yeah, if you're heading over to Africa, check this out, something a bit different. Uh, A little bit closer to home, let's talk about cops and robbers again. (laughs) (laughs) This keeps coming up with watercrafts. This just just keeps coming up. Watercrafts are so reliable, flexible, anything you need it to be. A man threatened to kill his ex-girlfriend and her boyfriend, and tracking the man down took Michigan authorities into a swamp in the middle of the night. Eaton County dispatch received a 2 a.m. 911 call, according to the Michigan State Police, and police located the man fleeing into the Thornapple River using a canine unit and the Eaton County drone unit. They have drone units. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, I guess. Responding officers used a canoe to catch the man in the river near Vermont Millville, which is 110 miles west of Detroit. Took him into custody, he was taken to the hospital and treated for hypothermia. <laughs> really? In January. In a river. Imagine that. In Michigan. Oh, and intoxication. Oh yes. <laughs> well wouldn't the alcohol in the blood act like a antifreeze? <laughs> Isn't it's it's the a theory? It's the opposite. Doesn't Bang. let your
1: veins and whatever to, to, you know shrink or dilate as they need to know, to maintain body temperature. That wow, was worth that. Then why do Saint
0: Bernards always carry whiskey in that little barrel on their neck?
1: There's a lot of things there from the old days. Hollywood has just lied to me my entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cartoons,
0: cartoons, Bugs Bunny lied. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was booked in Eaton County Jail on Sunday after he was released from hospital. man charged with resisting and obstructing police, reckless driving, uh, and open intoxicants in a motor vehicle. They didn't say anything but a motor vehicle. This is all canoeing. Do you think they put
1: red and red and blue lights on that canoe when they paddled I out? I would hope so. And the guy, the cop at the <laughs> front? Wee-woo, wee-woo. <laughs> wee. <laughs> Louder, Frank. <laughs> wee-woo, wee-woo, wee-woo. <laughs> That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> he's yelling "wee woo" and he's got a red and a blue light and he's just flipping them on and off.
0: <laughs> Guys running through the bush in the river. <laughs> hey, it's the popo. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Oh, that's fun. Um, some news from the International Canoe Federation Canoe Marathon World Cup. Oh, okay. happening. <laughs> this one, t- this beer tastes like fruit, like one of those sours. Yes, it is unusual.
1: I think eh? that's the only thing saving it. This is a sober carpenter blonde ale. You know, I I was really i I was expecting non alcoholic
0: beer to be cheaper. Yeah, these are not cheaper. No, so. Are you doing dry? Are you doing dry January again next year?
1: I just won't. Yeah, but I just won't drink anything. I just I'm not going to buy expensive fake beer.
0: Chocolate like, milk
1: every Tuesday oh, night. Milk. <laughs>
0: That'll help me sleep. Oh, won't it? righty. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're going to have espressos all night long. <laughs>
0: A mixed relay comprising of senior and junior paddlers is set to feature for the first time at this year's International Canoe Federation Canoe Marathon World Cup in Brandenburg, Germany. This sounds pretty good. first I was thinking like an older person in the back and a younger person up front, but that's not it. The ICF Canoe Marathon Committee discussed the introduction Of the Innovative Race as a demonstration event when they came together for a meeting in January in Budapest, Hungary, the K1 four-lap relay set to include teams featuring one senior male, one junior male, one senior female, one junior female. Under the plans being considered, each paddler will do a lap and a portage before handing over to their teammate. Hmm. Teams will be able to select paddlers in any order, meaning juniors from some countries could go up against seniors from other nations during the race. So, if your junior starts and somebody else's senior starts, so it's a four-person team. No, no um, I'm thinking it's just or just just one. So there's there's men's and women's. I'm thinking mixed junior senior races. So you're instead of
1: a baton, you're handing off a, a canoe. A K one canoe. Yeah.
0: Relay is scheduled to be tested in Brandenburg when it hosts the ICF Canoe Marathon World Cup June first and second of this year, with a view to the to the race potentially being introduced at the World Championships in the future, which that's just a hop skip and a jump from the Olympics after that, right? Importantly, the relay should be tested at a World Cup race and testing at a World Championships is not our preference, uh, says the chair of the ICF Canoe Marathon Committee. In any case, we hope that the sea boats can also be part of the relay, but the number of sea paddlers and countries is low, which does not make it easy to to organize relay races with them at the moment. We'll try the relay at the World Cup in Brandenburg in June. Uh, I want to test this over the next two years, and then in 2026, we will want to do it at the World Championships. Well, you got to do that. You got to test it out for a couple, you know, a couple of years first to make sure there's enough interest in it before going huge with it, right? Yeah. This year, we will start with the K1, Senior Men K1, Junior Men K1, Senior Women K1, and Junior Women K1. So four boats. We're looking at how we can do it in a safe way, as it would be quite dangerous with the changing of the boats on the portage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it sounds like everybody's got their own boat. One person paddles and then portages, and the other person jumps into their own boat, paddles and portages.
1: I'm trying to fix. So it's a mixed junior senior race.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it? I don't think it's four boats per team.
1: What's the mix? Oh, I think it's just a, yeah. Junior
0: and senior. Junior junior and senior, yeah.
1: So it's not necessarily mixed male-female. It's mixed junior-senior, or is it a four-person team with two senior? Yeah. It's it's hard to... I'm trying to pull the details out of this. Uh, We're working on how
0: we can do it in a safe way. Like I say, uh, it will be one lap, one portage, and then change. It's the first test, and then maybe next time we'll do it differently. If you never test, you never know. The idea to mix with the junior and seniors is good for team atmosphere. See, sometimes it seems like it's just going to be men's and women's, and then it looks like there's four people on the team. Mm-hmm. Two-day meeting was hosted in the Hungarian Canoe, by the Hungarian Canoe Federation. The ICF World Marathon Committee also discussed the possibility of reducing the length of the long lap distance races from 3.6 kilometers to 3 kilometers and potentially even shorter at the World Championships in 2025. Other topics discussed at the meeting included the selection of international technical officials for the World Championships and World Cups, future strategy for canoe marathon, qualification rules for the World Games 2025 uh, in Chengdu, Chengdu, China, and the rest of the surveys uh, on the 2023 ICF Masters Canoe Marathon World Championships Team leaders in uh, Denmark, as well as plans for Para Canoe Marathon. For the Para events that have been paddled as demonstration races at world championships for two years, the rules for both marathon and Para are now being adjusted to make it a real world championship in 2025. This is what we as marathon are striving for. So we are given para-athletes who like to paddle long distances the chance to compete in marathon events and win a medal at the world championships. So, yeah, like I say, sometimes it seems from the things I saw, it seems like it's just the two
1: two yeah, people yeah, on a yeah. team.
0: And then when you start reading other bits, it seems like it's four people on a team, two like two seniors and two juniors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find more details on it but uh Yeah, there they're they're not there wasn't a ton of them. This is right from the uh um ICF page itself. This is directly this is what they gave out. So anyway, we'll have to see what happens there and yeah. it's a good thing. It's a good learning experience for the juniors, that's for sure. Uh get to know you know a little bit and hopefully it starts keeping the interest up and dragging more people into it. You never know. Uh, you used to live out in BC. Where did you live? Uh, Victoria?
1: Vancouver, Vancouver? Vancouver Island. I was in Souk, which is up island from Victoria. Did you ever go to uh, Okanagan Lake in BC? And that's quite a ways inland on the mainland. Is it? Yeah, like Okanagan. Oh, that's Opie or what oh, they call it, Opie? The Ogapogo. Ogopogo.
0: Ogopogo. Yes. El Nahuelito. Okay, I love your accent. You like it that? <laughs> a pair of kayakers in Argentina captured remarkable footage of a mysterious creature that they encountered at a local a location that is said to be the home of the country's resident lake monster, known as El Najalito. Hmm. Hmm. Did you see video? I want to see video. You really couldn't tell. <laughs> It just goes along the whole lines of the Loch Ness. And. According to a local media report, the strange incident occurred uh, past Sunday evening when two witnesses ventured out onto Lake Nahuel, Huapi, in their boats. I'm sure I just butchered that. <laughs> Shortly into the excursion, the duo was stunned to see something unusual emerge from the water a short distance away from them. It was Sasquatch on a whale. We stayed away for, uh, because we didn't know what it was. Because that's how horror movies start. Exactly. One of the witnesses named Miguel recalled, but it was something big that was moving forward. While the pair were understandably astounded by what they were watching, and it was like sunset. Did they say what year? Is This, this year. This is recent. Yeah. It was. It was like... The part of sunset where it starts to get really dark. (laughs) The part where mom's saying, why are you still out on the water? While the pair were understandably astounded uh, by what they were watching, they thankfully had the wherewithal to film the eerie anomaly, and the footage has since gone viral on social media in Argentina. Given the location of the encounter, the two men immediately wondered if the creature could have been the legendary... El Nahuelito though conceded that it is true, its true nature remains a mystery. I don't know what it was, I can't pinpoint it, but it was pretty big, Miguel says. Describing the sighting as an awesome experience he also dismissed the possibility that the monster was merely a wave by noting that the water was calm everywhere else besides where the oddity surfaced. Dun, dun, dun. And I bet you there is no scary music either. <laughs> There's no scary soundtrack. Right? Their encounter ultimately concluded when the creature dove back down into the water and vanished from sight. I don't think it's very weird what happened, Miguel mused. There may be strange things underwater that you never know. Well, yeah. The timing of the kayaker sighting is rather fortuitous as it occurred the same weekend as the launch of a new walking tour that celebrates the Nahuelito and its influence on Argentine culture, since it was put on the proverbial cryptozoological map over a century ago.
1: What a coincidence. Hmm. <laughs> it was a submarine. I can't find any recent videos on YouTube. Everything is like I'll 8 or f- 10 years old. I'll find it and
0: we'll throw it up on our... Social media, I'll send it to you. <laughs> so, this goes along the lines of Nessie from Loch Ness, Ogopogo from Okanagan Lake, uh, Soro in Lake Como, Italy, the Picchu Michipi, uh, in Lake Superior, and there's like a good dozen or so more of these throughout the world. <laughs> yeah, I, there's tons, eh? It's... It's a little ridiculous. And but it's there's not just only... water creatures, there's land creatures. Well there's... no, there there's only well no, I guess there is more. There's there's Yeti, the yep. abominable snowman. Yep. There's Sam Squatch. Yeah. Uh there's the Wendigo. Mm hmm. Um who else am I missing on land? What is the one in Mexico? Ah, Chupacabra. Chupacabra. Ah, Chupacabra. Yeah.
1: But there's more. I there's know there's more. more.
0: I know there's more. Yeah, but no one can ever seem to get a good picture I of know. it. It was dark, but here's that ripple in the water. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got my suspicions. El Nahuelito. <laughs> On to something more... Reasonable? I don't think so. <laughs> Five reasons inflatable kayaks are more practical they say. More practical? What do you more mean more practical, practical than a regular kayak? Well, I'm I, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Kayaking is an exciting way to explore the beauty of nature, offering both serenity and adventure. Inflatable kayaks in particular have gained popularity for their versatile ease of use, making them ideal for diverse water conditions. Uh, I think they're good because you can put them away in a closet, right? Among the many options available, inflatable kayaks stand out for their unique benefits, accommodating different skill levels and environments. They are not just leisurely choice, but a practical one too. Perfect for those seeking adventure with minimal hassle. That's kind of a dangerous thing to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whether you're a seasoned paddler or a beginner, understanding the advantages of inflatable kayaks can significantly enhance your experience on the water. Their adaptability to various water conditions makes them a superior choice for many, and their increasing popularity is a testament to their versatility. No, their increasing popularity is because they're cheap. (laughs) Go to Costco. Go to a big sports store. You can get them cheap. Do you want to go spend four thousand dollars on some high grade sea touring kayak? Or do you want to go spend two hundred bucks on a yeah. inflatable jobby jobby you go down and just hook your bike pump up to? Yeah. If if you're gonna do a, a drink and float thing, then maybe that's handy, but there's so many people that I know bought inflatable kayaks and afterwards they're going, What a crap. <laughs> uh inflatable kayak durability. Contrary Mm. to popular belief, high-quality line of inflatable kayaks are incredibly durable. Are they? High-quality line of inflatable kayaks. Okay, sure. If 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 it's it's a high-quality line, I would expect it to be so. Exactly, yeah. They are often made with robust materials that can withstand bumps against rocks or other obstacles, making them suitable for adventurous expeditions.
1: Well,
0: yeah. To fly into a remote
1: area and it's – so with the rules with planes and stuff, if you want to get into a remote area and you want to bring, you know, say, four of you, you can bring four inflatable kayaks and, mm-hmm. and the plane is okay with it because they're, just, they're in a duffel bag, right? Yeah. Whereas if you've got a canoe or something going up north somewhere, it's like one canoe on the, uh, hanging off the float and you can't bring two. Right.
0: This toughness is essential for navigating rough waters and ensures that your kayak remains a reliable companion on all your journeys. P.S. Pack Patches. <laughs> uh, the resilience makes them ideal for various water conditions from calm lakes to more challenging rivers, giving paddlers peace of mind. Of course, it's important to choose a high quality to ensure longevity and safety on the water best models are designed to resist punctures and UV damage ensuring years of reliable use and maintaining their appearance and functionality over time yeah if I'm going to be doing that sort of stuff it's going to have to be high quality but if you're like I say if you're starting to spend a ton of cash yeah eh, there's going to come that, that break point where forget it I'm not buying an inflatable convenient and easy to transport that is 100% Yes. One of the most uh, significant advantages of an inflatable kayak is its portability. Unlike traditional kayaks, these can easily be deflated, folded, and transported, revolutionizing the way we think about kayaking trips. Uh, this means that you can take them anywhere in your car, trunk, or even as checked luggage on a plane, making distant waterways accessible. Take a little bit of clothes unless you got a lot of money for that extra bag. <laughs> yeah. For city dwellers or those with limited space uh, storage space, this is a game changer as it eliminates the need for bulky transportation setups. Yeah, and you don't need to be renting a storage unit.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah if, if you live in, in the inner city, if you live in a condo downtown, you know, whatever city, Detroit, Toronto, whatever, you, you get, if you want to be able to store your watercraft without worrying about it getting lost, you can stick it in a closet.
0: Yeah. Easy storage, thanks to deflation. Oh, huh, I just talked about that. Yeah, uh, inflatable kayaks solve the problem of storage space that comes with regular kayaks. When deflated, they can be stored in small spaces like a closet, the corner of your garage, making them perfect for urban settings. Absolutely. If I've got a garage, I'm getting a full size kayak.
1: Oh yeah. Well, it depends on your situation, right? If you if you live if you live in a in a seven hundred and fifty square foot condo. Yeah. Well, no, On the, this, on this the just 30th says, floor. <laughs> this just says, yeah, in, yeah. you know, in, in yeah. the corner of but your garage. But if you do have a property with a garage, then...
0: Yeah, I'm just getting something big. Yeah. Strap it to the side of the garage. <laughs> uh, compactness is a major advantage for urban adventurers. Uh, yeah, and they talk about, you know, the is it really great for people living in apartments or yeah. homes without extensive storage. Yeah. But, I mean, that goes the same with stand-up paddle boards.
1: Absolutely, Inflatable, yeah.
0: Inflatable stand-up paddle boards, not just... Kayaks, right? Stability and safety. Inflatable kayaks offer excellent stability. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to disagree on that one, Bob. Depends it, which one you get. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's what I was going to yeah. stipulate because you know some
1: of them are they're very wide bodied. Some of these uh, inflatable kayaks, so they do have a, a certain degree of stability. Yeah. But that's depends on the style and and the model, right?
0: Yeah, I mean if you're if you're looking for something that's stable, and I mean you can go get yourself like a Pungo or something like, mm. yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like yeah. a Roto Rotomold kayak, uh, almost the same price yeah. as a high quality, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Great for, crucial for beginners or those paddling in choppy waters, their design often includes wider bases, which makes them less likely to tip over, providing a secure and stable platform for all types of kayakers. Nobody I know that has a inflatable kayak takes them out into big waves. Yeah, they're not meant for that. No. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wider base also adds, aids in easier maneuverability. Allowing for more enjoyable paddling experience. This sort of this this whole paragraph just sort of gives a unrealistic safety view. Exactly. In my, in my so opinion. You have to
1: be careful when you write stuff like this because you don't know who's going to read it. Yeah. So somebody with not enough experience or
0: knowledge might read it and think, oh, this is a safe way to go. Then, yeah, you're risking yeah. people. Yeah. Nothing's 100% stable and no, safe. No, 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 no. Uh, Affordability when it comes to cost. Inflatable kayaks are generally more affordable than their traditional counterparts. Yes. Yeah. This makes them an excellent option for those just getting into the sport or for families looking for an economical way to enjoy water activities together. Lower cost also makes it feasible to own multiple kayaks for group outings, expanding the possibility for family and group adventures. Then why don't you just buy a canoe at that point? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All comes back to canoeing. In addition to the lower initial cost, the lack of storage and transportation requirements also saves money in the long run. Moreover, the reduced need for accessories like roof racks and kayak trailers add to the overall savings, making kayaking a more accessible sport for a wider audience. I don't know. This just sounds like a whole lot of... uh Propaganda for the kayak community. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) You're going to get some sales. Yeah. Kayaking is not just a pastime, but an adventure that brings you closer to nature. Inflatable kayaks with their ease of transport, storage convenience, durability, stability, and affordability offer practical solutions for both beginners and experienced paddlers. They allow you to explore new waters, create memorable experiences without the hassle and expense of traditional kayaks. Flexibility and freedom they provide are unmatched, opening up new possibilities for exploration and enjoyment. So why not consider an inflatable kayak for your next water adventure? Hmm.
1: I think you really have to wait. I think
0: (laughs) you got to do your research before. You can't take all this verbatim for, for, you know, as as absolute 100 percent. What? But but they said it's it's stable and safe. I shouldn't (laughs) fall
1: over. And the risk with social media these days, people think that you're more capable of doing. People make things look easy when they do their videos and stuff, but then other people go out there. Oh, I can do that and get That's themselves 100% in trouble. Easy, yeah, yeah. It looked easier. I saw a video the other day. It was it was four people, two guys, two girls. They're all on inflatable boats. They all had wetsuits on, and uh they were jump. They had headlamps on, and they were jumping on their inflatable boats and going in through this drainage tunnel. Hmm. And, uh, you, you don't th- know what's in there. <laughs> no. All four boats popped. Some of them lost their headlamps. One of the guys got fetched up in a tree at the exit of the tunnel. Uh, they were in the tunnel. They sat there for a couple minutes because it was a long tunnel. And, uh, so they had, they, their wetsuits were ripped open. They had scuffed knees, scuffed hands. Uh, they, one guy almost drowned because he got caught on a log for almost a whole minute underwater. And, and it's like, why did you guys think this was a good idea? I read it on the internet. Well, they said they had saw, seen other people do
0: the tunnel. But I don't know if they said- You s- got know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a case <laughs> of hold my beer and watch this. Exactly. How yeah. much money did they lose on Let's that little venture? Yeah. Well, they popped all four boats, right? Right. Maybe they weren't high quality. They were not high. You could see from the video there was not high quality boats. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Like, I think they have their place. Definitely yeah. think they got their place. I fully agree with the transportation, storage, yep. lower cost, yep. that sort of stuff. When it comes to inflatable kayaks, um, I'm still very wary uh, of taking them on big adventures Mm -hmm. to me, that's more of a, we're going out on the lake for the day, you know, sort of thing, or we're going to the cottage or we're going camping and we're taking it to go out in the lake sort of thing. Yeah. Right. I'm not going on a five day. No canoe trip. But I said that I say the same thing with the, the Oro uh, kayak and canoes, right? The, the foldable ones. Those are different. I still, yeah. Even those like, I'm not taking those. And all oh, you can take those anywhere. No. Well, you really can't yeah. take them anywhere. Mm-hmm. You got you got to do your research. You got to know where you're going, the environment you're taking these things yeah. to. Maybe it'll be perfect. Maybe you'll be swimming. And home. how often do we see stories
1: of somebody in some sort of inflatable watercraft because these things are so light, they catch the wind, and so you hear about, you know, the Coast Guard rescuing somebody five miles out to sea because they are floating out with the tide and with the wind and whatever. And
0: uh, off of Mexico this week, <laughs> you should mention them. one of the big brand new was it HMS or whatever Jubilee, mm-hmm. the new, the the new. Carnival Cruises ship. Oh, the big, 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 big Diggity one? Biggity big one, Yeah, I guess. Uh, apparently, if you are stranded in your kayak, only, oh, I saw. only one person wearing a life jacket, the other yeah. guy with no life jacket, no shoes. I saw that. Yeah. Um, the, it wasn't the big, big one, but it was just
1: one of the Carnival Cruises. It yeah. It, well, as they say, it's, yeah.
0: an, it's a new one. Yeah. It's, it's their newest ship. Mm-hmm. That, uh, jolly or, yeah. or Joy something. Anyway, uh, yeah, they saw this. Um, kayak down there thought yeah. they were having to realize no nope, they're in trouble
1: because their main yeah. boat the whatever boat they were on sank and their recreational kayak was strapped yeah. onto is what they were So that's
0: what they're trying to figure out is what exactly yeah, happened. what's going Why on, did on it here? sink and where did it sink and where did you come from and, and what what happened to the boat yeah. you were smuggling drugs on and- well and the <laughs> the their standard procedures if that happens they automatically call in whatever country's coast guard. Yeah. So I guess the Mexican Navy showed up Mm -hmm. and took them and back to, back to port. What are you guys up to? Yeah. (laughs) So at that point they figured out they should have stayed on the kayak. Yes. There there was no free cruise involved. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh darn it. Oh, geez. This is as bad as my friend Phil, way up in Michigan, got <laughs> caught by the cops. <laughs> uh, uh, we talked about REI, opening 11 new stores between the next couple of years, 2024, 2025. Yeah. Uh, hundreds of REI employees have lost their jobs this week. As a company announced layoffs in anticipation of lower sales in 2024, and this is sort of boggling our minds, like I'm as you said, how can this. you expand or contract and when you
1: expand and expand at the same, same time. time? We're going to open new stores, but because sales are low, we're going to we're going to lay off people. Yeah. and it's like, well, if you have low sales, why are you building new stores? Ten of them, eleven. Uh, yeah, I was so with the original stories we saw a week and a half, two weeks ago mm-hmm. was eleven stores. And I, when I was reading into this today, I was trying to figure out, okay, you're contracting, and expanding. Anyways, what they're saying now is it's ten, now it's ten stores. Oh, so there there seems to be a change in the number for from the stories from two weeks ago to the current stories about
0: trying expansion. to make it look better. we see we're we're laying people off it, and we aren't opening eleven. We're only opening ten. 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how bad times are. (laughs) Uh, But they
1: did say that it was mainly head office where they lost. Yeah. They're going to go with a. uh, What do they say? They're very strategic, and they're saying that we're um, going to create new team models to. To run the business from a head office perspective, uh, and we're going to diversify, and we're going to yada 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 yada. So yeah. I don't know, and and you know some of the REI stores are are unionizing, but they specifically said no, no, we didn't lay off anybody in the union store. It's like okay, well, but still, it's it's very, it's it's a weird story about how they're going to build new stores, but because sales are low, they're going to lay off people. It's yeah. So it's confusing. And, and I, I I don't know how many stories I read today about this, trying to figure it out, and I couldn't come to a solid
0: conclusion as to what's Let's going on. Let's build more buildings to sell our stuff and fire people that are yeah, going to yeah. sell our stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't uh, have any salespeople, but... Yeah, yeah. All, all the people that we fired were the cashiers because yeah. it's all self-checkout <laughs> now. Uh, so they posted a level. Eric Arts, the CEO, posted a letter explaining that the outdoor retail... Specialty segment had declined throughout 2023, and as a result, company leaders expected that the coming days are going to be tough. To deal with the shortfall, they will lay off 357 employees, including 200 at headquarters, 121 in distribution centers, and 30 from teams that handle REI experience classes and events. Uh, Announcement comes just weeks after they said they planned to open 11 new co-ops throughout the country in 2024 and 2025. And that's why we were talking about this before as they were opening these up and none were going to be in Canada. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, Seattle Times apparently reported that none of the affected workers were part of the company's growing number of unionized employees. I think eight stores are unionized. Yeah, eight or nine. I can't remember Mm -hmm. the number. Uh, announcement also comes just a few months after REI laid off 275 employees in an October restructuring initiative. I can't believe they still use those excuses. restructuring. Oh, restructuring. Yeah. They, everybody uses that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, REI union, which now represents employees in eight of the company's oh, stores, called those ill-conceived changes that underscore the importance of union representation. Regardless of the union status, REI should be accountable for all the stores that face these callous layoffs. All green vests deserve respect for the value we bring to the company, the union said in a statement. Outdoor recreation industry overall continues to grow, reaching $1.1 trillion, according to a federal report released at the end of 2023. But specific segments have been able to maintain the momentum, or haven't been able to maintain. As of December... 2023 outdoor specialty sales were down one percent at 4.6 billion whoa
1: yeah that's one percent mm-hmm. but it's a trillion
0: dollar industry right Oof. so we down what well, we we were down 4.6 billion less fire like 350 well that's
1: not million. their sales that's
0: worldwide That's sales. worldwide sales, yeah. yeah yeah uh but it's not a gloomy outlook overall Outdoor equipment market will likely experience a 6% growth rate from 2024 to 2028. Regardless, Arts said that REI's latest round of layoffs were a financial necessity. The year ahead will require us to make strategic and intentional choices to control the things that we can, he wrote. Uh, many of these choices will be difficult and they will they are what we must do to ensure the co-op is healthy for the long term.
1: Hmm. I think there's stuff going on in the background that they're just not talking about. Mm-hmm.
0: Didn't something like this sort of happen with
1: Mech? So Mech did have to restructure, and uh, now they're not so much a private entity. No, They've, they're owned now, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I was actually there on Saturday. Oh, yeah? Which one? The one right downtown Toronto on okay. uh, Queen. Queen? It's yeah. Street. yeah, It used to be on King. Yeah, and I, I moved bought some a couple blocks oil north. stuff. jet boil, uh cans. Mm. So. So this will be one of those continuing stories. It's a continuing REI. saga of yeah. REI. Where you I, got the company trying to push their, "Oh, we're so hard done by," and the unions trying to push their,
1: "Join the union." Yeah. i yeah. dun, dun, dun. Dun,
0: dun, 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 I dun. been to an REI. I think it was the
1: Seattle one. Yeah. I don't I think, think it was. Anyways, it was what one. was neat It's it was such a big building and and one huge portion of the building is like a giant atrium. It had to be like five stories high with glass everywhere. And it was just a big climbing tower. Like a, it was a miniature mountain right in the store.
0: So you could go there and climb. Yeah.
1: you could, Yeah. You could do indoor climbing. Rock really? climbing. Yeah. And, and you could go up, you know, on, I think it up to the highest you could s- watch it from was what the third floor. And there was like a balcony. You could walk out and stand and look at people climbing up and grab a really pole neat. and knock them off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a new sport.
0: <laughs> Throw tomatoes. <laughs> Extra extreme physical full contact yeah. Yeah. rock climbing. <laughs> That'd be awesome.
1: It was really a neat store though. It was, uh, with the, with that
0: huge indoor climbing gym. I don't think I've ever actually been, have I? If I did, it wasn't memorable. Mm-hmm. Did oh, they? say- Oh, you know, I think I was- On one of our- When we were down the state- I can't remember- Because there were so many spots. I think we did go into one one of the hockey tournaments we were at. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we, we stopped- Because McKenzie needed a hockey stick. Did they say how many stores they do have? Uh, nope. Lots. Mm. All mm. across the country, even. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, we'll see what happens. But I mean, one half you got to see that they're you know yeah they got to keep the the company alive. But on the other half, who are those people that had office? What did they do? <laughs> I know, right? Woo! Yeah, we're Apparently. streamlining. We're Apparently, gonna... they weren't doing it right. Yeah. We're... Hey, hey, Phil, how you doing today? Good. Uh, won't see you next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna work
1: more efficiently.
0: Efficiently. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, yeah, we're gonna have three people do the job of five. Yeah.
0: What happened to those other two people? <laughs> bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Late off. Yeah. Uh just a recap on the shows coming up, February twenty third to twenty fifth, Toronto Outdoor oh, Adventure, yes. Adventure Show at the Toronto Outdoor International Center. And I you will be speaking presenting on the Sunday. On the Sunday at twelve. Twelve. Mm-hmm. And I think I have Mike MacIntosh of Friends of Tomogamy on right after me. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm just going purely from memory. I think Christina Christina's after she Mike.
1: She is. She's speaking on the Saturday and the, and Sunday. the Sunday. Yeah.
0: So uh, also Saturday, February 24th. While well, this is on, you can go to the Wilderness and Canoe Symposium at York University in Toronto, mm-hmm. North York. Saturday, March second, Quiet Adventure Symposium in East Lansing, Michigan. We are going to go. Yep, we'll be there, and we are going to be playing with John Denver music all the way down. <laughs> oh yes, yes. And Kevin will, Callen will us, yeah. never be the same because I found a whole bunch of heavy metal <laughs> John Denver. I'm going to ah, sit ah, in the back seat ah, and put on earphones. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, March 8th to 10th, Canucopia, Madison, Wisconsin. The Alliant Energy Center. Uh, check that one out. If, like I said, there's 100, like 100 uh, presentations going on all week. So, or all weekend. Definitely is worth checking it out. Tuesday, March 12th, Paddling Film Festival. Drums and Flats at Ajax. Us. That is us. Uh, doors open at 630. Go online. Get your tickets at Eventbrite now. Uh April 20th, 21st, the Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show. I'm going to see if I can get up there. I don't know that I'll be able to this year. Uh, and again, unfortunately, no Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium. Yes, yes. David Bain is missed. hmm I think that is all I have. That's all I have. That's all I have. Oh, and we got... Ooh, this is gonna be tricky because we have Family Day weekend mm-hmm. in February and we have the outdoor adventure show in February. I only use a couple weekends to get my because it's too dark to go after work, to get my February paddle in. Yeah. It's gonna be tricky. <laughs> it's gonna be tricky. Yep. Yeah. But doable. We'll see. Other than that, I'm just waiting for for everything to thaw out and get back out there. Yeah, yeah. Woo-hoo! Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites, or you can just go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, and uh, you can stream or download all our episodes there. We are posting our episodes on YouTube now, so you can just go to YouTube, click and listen there. You don't get to see our smiling faces, but <laughs> maybe we should do that. Just put it every like five minutes. Put a picture of you in there. <laughs> just waving. Yeah. And just like five. Hello. And then you'll be holding you'll be holding a little hello in one hand and then a five in the other at the five minute mark, then <laughs> a ten in the other. Both <laughs> signs as you go. <laughs> uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.